When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do we clap at the same time? No, I just me. It up. I just. Clap. Oh shoot! <laughs> <laughs> for it. Boy, are my arms Dang tired. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to The Crunch, episode 95. I am your host, Patrick Nevy. Joined today... Okay, so here's the thing. I <laughs> <laughs> I thought that Ethan was going to be back today, but he's not. So today is actually Monday, the Monday after the last episode came out, and I'm going on a retreat this weekend until Sunday. So I literally have no time to record, and I was like, oh crap, I've exhausted all of my resources all of the Who's other desperate podcast. to be on the crunch again? Who's desperate to be on the crunch again? And if you, <laughs> no, no, no. So what happened was I texted my good pal Teresa, who's been on the crunch before, and I said, "Hey Teresa, do you want to come on and do a show about comedy this time instead of just telling stories and us laughing at them?" And she said, "Yeah, Patrick, sure." And so she sent me the notes that she wrote for her original episode, and I was like, "Man, these are good." And so we're doing that episode today. So today I am joined by my friend and yours, Teresa Bova. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me back again. It's, this it's is been, a joy. I actually haven't told Ethan yet. <laughs> <laughs> he might never find out. Does he might he never listen? find out because he, I don't think he's been listening to his podcast since I listen every week. That's not true. But because what happens <laughs> Don't you edit it every week? I do edit it every week. Now I do. <laughs> but I also, I also go back and listen. I mean, editing is a strong word. But um, I go back and listen because usually I'll say really like, good things and I'm like, I need to remind myself of those things that I said, and so I'll re-listen to The Crunch so I don't mm. become a hypocrite. But I started doing that with old episodes, and I'm like, wait, I don't agree with these things anymore. Oh, no. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, there was, some, there was some things that I said in our first episode on the complementarity of men and women that I was like, mm. Yeah. And then some things I was like, man, I was spot on even back then. Yeah. There was... was what was the episode I was listening to? There was some episode about being friends with your significant or with your friend who is a girl, and Ethan was like, "We're best friends." It's like oh, any guy who gets between us or something. I don't know. It was really solid advice about friendships, and I was like, "This is, this is pretty good." I'm not yeah, gonna lie. Good. Turns out we were actually pretty smart back then, and we're yeah. only getting smarter. So stick with us, folks, because this this is the smart cast. It's all uphill from here. It's all. <laughs> we'll let you know when it turns down. So, <laughs> Teresa, what have you gone to any parties recently? Because I, I don't, I don't know what to do without the co-host having gone to some parties recently. Parties. Um, I did go to a family party, uh, where we started talking about The Office, and everyone in my family, extended family, hates The Office. So they started saying how they don't understand how people like it, and I couldn't decide if I wanted to smash them on the head with all my knowledge of the office um so i took a lap and they changed the topic and it was great so yes i did go to a party <laughs> that sounds like a horrible party I... <laughs> more exciting than that though i stepped on a bee yesterday yeah you showed me that's ouch horrible 
that poor you know what i healed it though you healed it i healed it you want to know how i healed it it's super ironic you want to guess was it did you pee on it no i put honey <laughs> on it what is your problem <laughs> i just think it's ironic that you can heal bee stings with honey maybe that's how I... they heal themselves oh my gosh it makes sense because so bees much... don't eat honey bees don't eat honey do bees sting each other Maybe it's like a sign of respect, you know, like when boys start like punching each other, you know, they're like, oh, we're, we're friends, we're buddies, we're going to punch each other. Bees are like, ha ha ha, sting. Sting. Put some money on that. <laughs> Put some money on it. Slap some money on it. Um, yeah, that sounds horrendous. It was, it was actually not that bad. I think I've never been stung by a bee before. And I was just like, this hurts, but in ways that I was not sure it would. Uh, and then I put honey on a band-aid and put it on my foot, and I had an existential crisis thinking about how honey and bees are related. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't have the sting without the honey, but you can't have the honey without the sting. You can have honey without being stung no, by a bee, you can't. Teresa. <laughs> you ever bought honey without them putting a bee on your hand? <laughs> <laughs> I go to some weird stores. <laughs> <laughs> some weird hippie stores. It's like It's like Whole Foods, but instead they sting you with bees. <laughs> It hurts a whole lot. Oh, Whole man. Foods more like <laughs> more, more like, like hurts a whole lot. Foods. <laughs> okay. So, yes, I did not go to any other party. So, what did you do? Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I haven't done much since the last episode of the Crunch. So, like, <laughs> um, I'm going on a retreat this weekend in nice. Dallas slash Fort Worth. I think it's actually Fort Worth. And um, I've been doing a lot of crunch related planning and merchandising and he's gone corporate folks. He's gone corporate folks. Hey, hey, says the theology slash slash business major telling me that I'm sellout. (laughs) This is ridiculous. Teresa signed up to be a business major in the middle of her sophomore year of college (laughs) because she realized she wasn't going to make enough money. And she's like, no. you know what I like better than having a soul? Having a business degree. <laughs> Listen, you you ever had to uh, go uh, an entire month on $100 worth of groceries? Didn't think so. That's actually what I'm doing right now. <laughs> no, I just took a business class and I was like, this is dope. I love this. This the is only so reason, The only relevant. reason I like business is because I get to use Excel spreadsheets, and I love Excel spreadsheets. That's weird. You That's don't like Excel spreadsheets? Part. My favorite part is tricking people into buying stuff from me. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yesterday I went on such a big rant at Olive Garden. <laughs> Olive Garden is garbage. Because... I hope you had a good time, though. <laughs> oh, I had a great Roscato, but... Also, I was I hate those little those little things on restaurant tables now that they have. They're like screens where you Table can pay. On their- <laughs> <laughs> no, they're the little screens, you know, where you can like you can like order new more food and you can pay yeah. on them. But also when they're not you be like they're my kids phone toys. my phone can do a lot of things and when it's not doing things, it's off, right? So why yeah. can't these kiosks work like that? It's because they need to sell ad time. So they put ads on. Holy crap. You're yeah, right. They put ads on the screens. And I like, I noticed, I looked over and I saw some cake and I'm like, man, I would love some cake. And I was like, oh, <gasps> <gasps> how did you do that? That's astounding. 
And I was like, why can't I just sit and enjoy my dinner without having ads thrown at me? I can't even pump gas anymore without getting advertised to by a really loud screen. And then I was reminded about everyone's favorite book, Fahrenheit 451. Where they have giant screens that just yell at you all the time. Oh, yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. That's not my kind of salesmanship. I I was um, front of house for my brother's restaurant pop-up a couple of months ago. And people would come up and say... That's a really fancy word for a lemonade stand. Listen! (laughs) (laughs) It was a steak restaurant. It was delicious. It was called Bistec, which is German for buy steak. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, but, Bistec is, is Spanish for cow. Well, it's, <laughs> it was insane. a Belgian pop-up, so. Oh, never mind then. But people would come up and say, what's good on the menu? And we had uh, one dish that was literally a plate of sliced tomatoes. That was what? it. And I sold people that. That's horrible. No, it's delicious. What else and did little... you put on the tomatoes? Uh, nothing else. They're just we a plate of tomatoes? Them and peeled them and uh, slice them up real nice and thick and then you take them to your table and you can like put salt on them and eat them and that's the whole dish what did you say you blanch them blanch them that's when you boil water with salt and you dip you make a cross on the tomato Uh you dip it in the hot water and it comes out and the edges are all curled and you peel it off anyway we're so off topic no that's okay all of our listeners need to understand the proper way to prepare and serve a tomato if you um, make this dish, send it to me. You think I'm, like, joking that it's bad, that's a ripoff? No. It was, like, I don't know, $5 for, you know, four beautiful heirloom, like, summer tomatoes that are just gorgeous. Oh, you got four of delicious. them? Yeah, $5? you got four whole tomatoes that for feels $5. Good. That feels like a good price. And it's, like, what do you want to start up your meal? You want to, like, remember the memory. Maybe you don't even have it of, like, sitting on a porch out overlooking your garden. <laughs> you want to create the memory of a fine summer afternoon. Just eating uh, blanched tomatoes. My family does that, so that's pretty. You're trying to give people a restaurant experience of like eating at the Bovas, but it's a little bit fancier. It's a little bit fancier, and also people have no idea what eating at the Bovas is like, <laughs> so they're like not enticed by that at all. They're like, I get it, but I've never been. <laughs> Whoa! I like telling people they've had memories that they don't have, though. Is that manipulative? Don't yes. answer that. Um, <laughs> when I did Kettle Corn Sunday, hashtag Kettle Corn Sunday, if you haven't heard, it's New where what? I make kettle corn and bring it to you. New at kettle school. corn every Sunday. Oh, yeah, that's right. That happened to me. And I would tell people, you remember classic Kettle Corn <laughs> Sunday where your parents would say, get the kettle out. It's Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa once brought me a bowl full of kettle corn. It's true. It was, it was fantastic. Um, I walk around with a giant pot and just like clang the spoon around in it and say, kettle corn Sunday. <laughs> that's true I like, up, that. <laughs> oh no i believe that you did that that's this is i was not laughing because i was shocked or um disbelieving okay so today we're not talking about food on the crunch we are talking about laughing so <laughs> today we're not ironically we're not talking about food on the crunch ever mm-hmm. and today instead we're talking about comedy right Woo! so Teresa, yeah for those listeners whom did not experience your last did not listen did not listen to the last time you were on the crunch Tell us a little, give us a little backstory. Who, who are you? Whomst are you? And where, from where did you come? From whence did I came? Uh, so I am Teresa, uh, last name redacted, shout out Teresa. And I, (laughs) um, I, uh, well, 
Oh gosh, this is a whole big question. I'm a beloved daughter of the father and I go to Franciscan University of Steubenville and I did comedy in high school. I did improvised comedy in high school and then I did uh, comedy before college when I moved to Brooklyn, New York to do comedy at UCB Theater, Upright Citizens Brigade for comedy nerds, if you know that one. Um, and I did stand up and I took classes and I was an intern and I did, I was a producer on uh, one of the late night shows and I had kind of a whole life in New York City for 11 months. Um, and then I had kind of a conversion, even though I wasn't necessarily falling away because we're all converting all the time, right? right. So I had a conversion um, where I really examined my life and what I wanted out of it and what my current life was you know, preparing me for. Um, and I made uh, some serious discernment moves and decided to come to Franciscan University to study theology, catechetics, and now business um, <laughs> under the great tutelage of many, many professors who are all lovely, mostly. And, <laughs> um, Except and for you. You know who you are. <laughs> you know, you're listening, aren't you? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bill Gates, if you're listening, and I know you are. <laughs> and I know my C, uh, what is it? The CIA people? NSA if you're listening and we know you are <laughs> we know you are um so and when I was in Franciscan University of Steubenville I became friends with Le Patrick Nevy um and I actually listened to the crunch when I was in New York which, which was fun. the biggest shock mind freak of my life that Teresa <laughs> listened to the crunch before I, don't I think knew that's her big of a deal but you no, were very it was weird because I, I was like because I always think of Teresa always tells stories from her past as a New Yorkan comedian and that's in all I, sunshine in all <laughs> and I'm always like oh yeah Teresa before I knew her and before she knew me and in reality nope. she was listening to all of the episodes and she was coming she was clicking that subscribe button and she was she yeah. was listening to all of our foibles she heard the seek episode she bl all that stuff maybe I don't know if I heard the Seek episode. I don't know. Probably. Um, well, okay. New York City is full of people, and yet it's still very, very lacking in Catholic community. Yeah. Um, and especially because my only, like, real community that was constant was literally an hour and a half commute from my apartment because it was Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. Uh, at someone's apartment in Astoria, and I lived in Brooklyn, and... Oh, oh, if the you commute from Brooklyn to Astoria, am I right? Forget about it. <laughs> On Saturdays, forget about it. All the trains are closed. There's like literally nothing running. So I had to take the except most. Except for you, because you got to get there on time. So what? I said, except for you, because you got to get there on time. Yeah, I got to run. So I would literally wake up at like six o'clock, catch a bus to catch a train, to catch a train, to catch a train, to catch a bus to get there. And. So I really wanted strong Catholic community. And someone was like, here's a bunch of young adult podcasts you should listen to. I listened to The Crunch. Uh, I think I listened to Hey Jesus, I'd Rather Be Sleeping, which is still my favorite episode. Oh, that's such a good episode. Such a good episode. And I was like, this is funny. This is young adult. This is Catholic. I'm in. And actually, I was like, which person do I like? feel like I would jive better with? And I still, to this day like stand by the fact that like patrick and i just jive a lot better than it's ethan true. and i mostly because i don't see ethan ever <laughs> but um <laughs> it makes sense because he lives in kansas but also we're not we're not here to so talk about away. you moving to franciscan <laughs> I, I wanted to move to franciscan 
It's not fair. Um, so the real so, big city, the real Big Apple, the real Manhattan, Kansas, Manhattan, New York. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes. So then I was like, I think I'd be pretty good friends with Patrick. And then when I was moving to Franciscan, I was like, wait a second, he goes here, and we're friends on Facebook. And then we were friends. No way. It was great. Wait, I knew, I knew all that, but yeah. You knew that um, whole thing. So yeah, so Teresa and I talk constantly about stand-up comedy. comedy because, because we both did stand-up comedy. We both did stand-up comedy. I, on a, the much less, the off-off Broadway of Melbourne, Florida. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we both used to do stand-up comedy, and we both hate comedy. Um, and love- <laughs> I hate to laugh. I hate I hate to laugh. So, Teresa, well, Patrick, what's your history with stand-up comedy? I don't know if you've ever talked about this on the Crunch before. I haven't. I think I have. You have? I don't know. I don't oh, listen. So, to the Crunch, I so. when I was a senior when I was a senior in high school, I was thinking, hey, I should do some stand-up comedy, and so I signed up for an open mic. And Yikes! I got this hooked. Is scary. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. I remember I remember getting there, and the guy was like, I was like, hey, can I like go second or third? He was like, no, 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 no. The new guys go first. Trial by fire. Get up there. All right, cool. I'm in. And, uh, yeah, so I did that. And throughout going to open mics, if you go to open mics, here's here's a fun here's a fun little way to lose your soul. If you go <laughs> to open mics, you will hear the trashiest, most the vulgar jokes. comedy the you've worst. ever heard in your life. And occasionally, you'll hear a gem or two. So really don't go to open, go to open mics. Yeah, Just in general, don't. Unless you're a budding comedian who wants to learn the do's and mostly the don'ts of stand-up comedy. Unless you are literally prepared to uh, fight through the garbage dumpster fire that is aspiring stand-up comedians. Oh my gosh, it's the worst. Because all of them them want to be famous. And they're all doing anything they can. My first experience doing stand-up comedy, I like kind of felt like I wanted to do... Um, a really low-key thing. I didn't want to go crazy wild in Manhattan, so I picked a place in, uh, like, way, way up up in Astoria. Again, Astoria is kind of remote. And um, I got there too late to go, so I just had to listen. And I, like, wasn't sure if I wanted to leave or not. If you're, if you're not going on stage, leave, because there's nothing for you there. But the comedian who went up, I'm not exaggerating, had the saddest set that I've ever heard in my life. Ugh. Like, she was talking about... Um, being an alcoholic and she's like but what an alcoholic uh eat cereal with white wine or something like that and i was like yes <laughs> uh, yeah yeah actually um and she was like talking about how she got pregnant and how she wanted to get an abortion and it was actually like kind of insane that i was there because a huge part of my high school experience was being a sidewalk counselor outside of abortion clinics and she starts talking about sidewalk counselors um and like someone caught her eye and she went up to talk to them or something and uh, they didn't convince her. So she went in and had the abortion and came out again. And the lady was like, I didn't think that you were going to go get it. And the comedian just said, I thought that you cared about me. So looks like we were both wrong. And the audience is like laughing, Yikes. dying laughing at this. And I'm like, what is happening right now? So that was my first open mic where I thought I might go. And then the one that I actually went at was like uh, all female, super feminist um, open mic where every single comedian talked about how they hated uh, basically oral sex. They just 
every single one in a row. It was like the running joke that everyone would go up and say it. Um, and I went up and talked about social media and tagging yourself at different places in New York and how that like justified the pay- the price of rent, <laughs> which is like kind of a normie New York City joke, but whatever. I'm this is my first time, you know. Um, and I got off and like they were very supportive, but they were like kind of like you're new at this, so you'll get more comfortable talking about sex on stage. And I was like, Ugh. yeah, because if you no. watch any female comedian, they have to talk about sex. Yeah, I think we've talked about this on yeah. the crunch before is like every comedian has to either be a white dude or talk about how they're not a white dude. Yeah, literally, though, it's those are the only and, two options because everyone's super the, uncomfortable. Yeah. And not, most of the white dudes talk about how they, uh, you know, are so broken and sad and like it's literally a cry for help. Like if you yeah. go to to uh like conferences and hear people speak and they talk about how the world is full of people who are sad and people who don't have hope and you're kind of like uh everyone around me kind of is living fine even though they're not practicing their faith um go to an open mic because you will it's not only about the comedians too because these comedians are saying like just really sad things and then everyone else is laughing which means they agree yeah because, like, yeah. when, when you say, like, oh, like, everyone's like, man, oral sex sucks. I'm just like, um, okay. And everyone's I, like, oh, my gosh, can relate. So true. And I'm like, I can't, I can't relate to that because. <laughs> I'm like, what? Everyone in here has had one of the most intimate experiences you can have with another person and felt totally dissatisfied, upset, angry, and used at the end. This is weird. This is horrible. You know? <laughs> <laughs> because you can't, you can't laugh at something that's not true. Yeah, yeah yeah like that's that's a huge uh idea in comedy is truth and um finding truth in comedy and there's a book called truth in comedy and it's written by del close uh who trained like john belushi a bunch of people from snl amy poehler tina fey like he was super intimately involved in their formation as comedians and he talks a lot about um uh finding whatever nuggets of truth you can in a huge heap of jokes. And I heard that and I was like, yes. Oh my gosh. All (laughs) we're doing is looking for truth. And then I was like, wait a second. Wait a second. No, 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 no. have truth. Like I know truth. I I recognize it. Like I know the truth of life um, and the reality of like our existence as like creatures of God. Like that's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for truth. I'm looking for comedy in truth. So my metaphor for that is like a huge forest. It's a super girly metaphor. Just go with it. Um, (laughs) A huge forest uh, and like pasture of truth. And you're exploring this uh, existing world and it's beautiful. And it's got all sorts of dimensions and shapes and and like curves um, and like everything around the bend is new and exciting and like, but it's all existing in this kind of world of truth you're not looking for truth you've found it um but eventually you're gonna slip and fall down a rabbit hole of just like hilariousness Mm -hmm. of the human condition um like there's so many things that people can joke about that don't talk about you know uh things that aren't true or things that are harmful for humanity um and if you are joking in a way that's like joking about our depravity that's going to resonate but it's not going to resonate in a way that's like life-giving you know Mm -hmm. um so like finding comedy in an already 
blossoming and existing space of truth is like what I really love about comedy. And, you know, there's this principle in improv where you're supposed to make things compelling before you make them funny. Mm-hmm. So if you start a scene, you start it with like two people who aren't necessarily super goofy, but together as they talk and discover the world that they're in and the scene that they are in and who they are as people, um, you find like this stride where you find like the joke and you can, you know, do the joke three times and then the scene's over. And that's kind of what I think about uh, my take on comedy is like, we already exist in a world of like, um, believing the truth. Yes. And then we can find humor and joy in that. But once that joke is over, you're not left, you know, tired and empty and like, you know, the lights are down and the crowd goes home and nobody's laughing anymore and you're alone. Like that's, the reality for stand-up comedians who make jokes like that like everybody laughs at them for 10 minutes about how they're gonna go home and kill themselves and then they go home and it's like that was a joke but now i'm like at home alone and nobody cares about me like yeah that's not truth that's uh the opposite truth and like people people will make jokes my one of my philosophy professors was talking about this he's like people will make jokes and you can kind of tell based on what the jokes based on what jokes they make, what truths they believe. Mm-hmm. He gave he gave the example of someone coming up to uh coming up to him and his wife when they had <clears throat> when they they had two sons and a baby girl and they said like, "Oh, you finally got the girl, right? You're done, right?" And they're laughing and he's like, "What?" He wasn't laughing. And the guy was like, "Come on, it's just a joke." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, but the it's not funny if Yeah. In, in in that and the guy that made the joke in his mind the only reason to have kids is to like collect them all right and then you're done then you're finished yeah. in my professor's mind the reason for having kids is so that you can continue to participate in creation right and so if you're in this mindset of children are a life like a gift of life and for the yeah. purpose of sharing in god's creative power you're not gonna laugh at some stupid joke and be like oh you're done with this amazing gift right it's like no, of course not. That's stupid. That's silly. And so, yeah. Ter- Teresa and I have this have this jingle every time one of us makes a uh, <laughs> a really stupid joke. It's like, there's a little bit of truth in every joke, and if there's you, a little bit of truth, truth in, in every, every joke. <laughs> and it's like, true. Yeah, it's true. It's funny because it's true. Everything's funny because it's true. If it's not true, it's not funny. Which is why when people, if you you've seen people get upset on the internet when they just say something super racist, and you're like, why are you saying that? Like, come on, it's, it's a, a joke. joke. Man. It's a prank, bro. It's like, no, that's not funny. Because (laughs) because all you did was hit me in the face. That's not a prank. That's just mean. Um, So, yeah, it's... There's a little bit of truth in every joke. (laughs) Should we do our song, Patrick? (laughs) What song? No. (laughs) Um, It's a great... It's true, though. Like, um, uh, when you hear what people say, and, you know... When you're doing improv, you're, like, really listening because everything that someone gives you is evidence of the reality of the world. Yeah. And in an improv scene, it's quite literally, you know, you pretend you're sitting on a couch and they pretend they're getting a cup of coffee. But in, like, true life, um, someone's interior disposition can be revealed by everything that they say. So when someone makes the joke like... Um, um, man, I really want to kill myself. Which I know we're yeah. saying that a lot, but that's so. Oh it's my not gosh. good. The to amount say of that. the amount of times that I've heard stand up comedians, amateur stand up comedians, say that they wanted to commit suicide. It's yeah. just if I had a dollar for every time that happened, I'd be able to fund my own show. That's <laughs> it's just 
which is funny because it's true and it's also really sad yeah um, wink wink we they need money um or like <laughs> when people talk about uh like drowning their sorrows in alcohol and drugs yeah. it's like yeah that's like a cliche of the world is we do this um but also that could be a cry for help and you know you might sound like the party pooper who, who's like wait hold on do you actually think that you're a worthless piece of trash because those words together don't sound funny it's the fact that you said them with a smile on your face that's what people are laughing at but i know that there's something going on you know and yeah. you really you can tell a lot about the person's view of the world by the jokes that they make and your professor is totally right um but Enough about how much we hate some comedy because <laughs> I I could go on for hours and we have and we have <laughs> about um, how the world needs to stop letting mediocrity and despair and like this darkness overtake something that should be joyful and like that is the manipulation of a good you yeah. know I love um, because I love me a good wholesome meme you know what I'm talking me about me too yeah like. <laughs> I'm tired of I'm tired of memes of being like oh there was this one there was one finals week where I posted a meme that was like me studying or uh, me my my image of what I'm gonna do before finals is a picture of a guy studying me what I actually do for finals and it was the same picture of the guy studying is like everybody everybody gets some <laughs> studying done because I that's stick to so my funny. promises and it's like yeah that's funny because it's a twist of what we usually it see during finals you. week. And it's and it's that it's that kind of thing. It's like, oh man, I'm such a bad procrastinator, or man, I really have a horrible prayer life. And it's like you can say that, but what ends up happening is you just wallow in it, and you just yeah, you kind of just keep that reality for the sake of making jokes. Like and you I go, was... anybody else have a bad prayer life? And everybody goes, yeah, me too. And then you're like, oh good, so we're all failing. So therefore, it's okay. not like I'm missing out. God probably isn't angry with all of us. I'm sure he is fine as long as at least three other people in my life are also bad at praying. <laughs> it's like, okay, great. It's like when I was a kid and I would make fun of myself for being overweight. Mm -hmm. Sure, it's true, but it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help anybody. And also, there's a lot of things that you notice about yourself that you make jokes about that other people may never notice, you know? Yeah. Like, I make jokes about my hair, but, like, I think there's maybe, like, three people in the history of my life who have ever commented on my hair without and all me three of them it. worked for the ucb <laughs> <laughs> and all three of them ruined my chances of being a stand-up comedian no, i'm just kidding <laughs> but yeah no so like what we find funny uh reflects the truth that we want to continue in our life and i know like it's like well what if things aren't funny unless they're filled with despair and it's like guess what it's super a-okay to call things disordered in your life like to to call something out as being in the wrong place and in need of correction like that's good you shouldn't shy away from calling things disordered so if you only find jokes about how uh the world is full of sadness and pretty soon the apocalypse will come and we just hope jesus comes and takes us all out before i have to take my next test like huh. if that's something Yikes. that like is the only thing that will make you laugh uh maybe consider you know examining that and taking that to prayer and um getting that fixed up because god's a physician and he doesn't want you to find things funny that are destroying your soul yeah because if despair were funny then the devil would win <laughs> right like that <laughs> yeah 
It's just because if, if despair... despair were funny, then heaven would be joyless. Yeah. And who the heck wants to go to a joyless heaven? Not me. Not My me. My dimples are cute. I want to keep them. You can. You can keep. <laughs> you can keep your joyless heaven. This account. This podcast respects joy, <laughs> and will have it for all of eternity. Yes. Um, exactly. <laughs> and joy comes from truth. And joy comes from the knowledge that things are solid and that they won't like disappear on you. You know. Like I think, I we think, need a reality. I think we, we do. And by we, I mean you and me. We get caught in this like this. We we enjoy making jokes about how people are horrible at making jokes. What? No. We absolutely <laughs> <Yeah>. do this. <laughs> and what the heck? Not just people, us. Like I I made a stupid joke about how I was terrible with my prayer life on our Rad Marion memes page earlier. I shut that week. down. We shut that down, and I was like, "Oh, you're totally right." So we hold each other accountable. But, but. I think it's time that we take these conversations that we have to the people and we say, hey, people, we are all producers of comedic content. Everyone in this world Mm -hmm. has a Twitter account, or at least they should. Or no, wait, they shouldn't. (laughs) Um, Everyone in this world has hope to make someone laugh. Yes. Therefore, you're a producer of your own content. Therefore, you better get that ish in line with the Catholic Church. (laughs) So if, you, so if you want to be a stand-up comedian, if you don't want to be a stand-up comedian, and I highly recommend the latter, yeah. then listen to this podcast because we're going to talk about comedy for the next, oh my comedy. gosh, it's already been 30 minutes. So, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, comedy doesn't get a timer. It needs freedom. Literally open mics do give you timers. What? <laughs> <laughs> the feminist one did not have a timer, so. Oh, man. <laughs> No, we kidding. used to have okay. this thing called the light where like the guy in the back would flash a light at you and if yeah. that means wrap it up <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it would it would usually come at either four minutes so like a minute until the end yeah. of your set or if you were bombing you'd just be like all right cut it out <laughs> <laughs> like have mercy on this poor kid yeah um, i never got that light that's just your favorite neither did i actually but i have seen people get it and it is rough okay good stand-up comedy is beautiful and amazing and bad stand-up comedy is one of the seven things that shorten your life you know it's like cigarettes not recycling being mean to your mom (laughs) and watching bad stand-up comedy (laughs) and sticking your face in a bucket of paint that's the other thing um cigarettes not recycling (laughs) i didn't say cigars come on that's yeah of course this is this is a this is a cigar respecting podcast <laughs> a stogie this is stogie respecters stogie respecters um oh boy. patrick what what makes you laugh when you're what? watching a stand-up act do you critique it the whole time or do you let yourself yes. laugh no i critique <laughs> it. well i mean of course i laugh too you know just to blend in <laughs> i like okay so my two favorite types of jokes are like observational jokes Okay. Which is just when when I write when I used to write jokes that was pretty much all I would do I would do these two types of jokes I would do observational jokes which is where I just talk about things I've noticed you ever notice how you can write anything you want on a cake I gotta take advantage of that Not- no <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad that you paused never start actually- a joke with <laughs> you ever notice how See, I made it funnier by pausing, though. Yeah, you, Remember you made... when I texted you, what do you get when you mix a joke with a rhetorical question and you didn't answer for three days and it was perfect? <laughs> <laughs> that was not because it was a joke. That was because I did not see that text. <laughs> but yeah, no. So, so observational humor. So stuff that comes from looking outside and seeing 
something and making it funnier yeah. or funny. Gary Seinfeld funny. once said that he finds forks very funny, but spoons not so much. And that's how he <laughs> likes jokes. <laughs> Do you watch a lot of like comedians talk about what comedians laugh about? Like, do you watch comedians in cars getting coffee? I I was on a kick of watching like interviews with comedians, but I've never yeah. watched I've never watched Triple C. The only Triple C I I pay attention to is the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Ayo. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't I don't listen to too much comedy talking about comedy because it's like it gets a little it gets a little cyclical, you know. Yeah, um, it does. It yeah. Does. So and then the other the other kind of jokes that I like are comedians that can craft stories around their mm-hmm. jokes. Yes. Because those are always the most enjoyable because the audience isn't thinking about the fact they're at a stand-up show. They're just listening yeah. to a really good story. And we were talking about this before, about how, like, you were saying how stand-up comedy is really unnatural. Yeah, it is. It's usually, a paradox. Yeah, you don't just, you don't just get into, I, I'll let you say it, but, like, yeah. Yeah, you, well, stand-up comedy is saying... I will make you laugh. And someone goes up and says, here's a microphone. I'm standing on a stage. You're sitting in front of me. The point of this is to get you to laugh. And when people are expecting that they will laugh, they might laugh. Or they might be really mad at you that you're not making them laugh. Yeah, Um, I paid good money to laugh and I'm not getting it. Yeah. (laughs) I had a two drink minimum and I'm mad. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That was really awkward when I was underage and at comedy shows at bars because like, People, I had a couple of people buy me drinks, quote unquote, one time, and like the bartender came over and was like, "Hey, Patrick, would you like a refill on your soda?" And I was like, "Listen, Janice, I don't need any of this sass." Janice, the bartender. Janice, the bartender. The funniest person at that club. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Janice. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and like so, the only the only difference yeah. I would say is that st- we we do have that in real life where people are like, let's just stop and listen to this person. It's when people are telling stories. Yeah, you know, when you're sitting That's in a circle with all your buddies. <laughs> And someone, you know, like good old Gerald, he's always got a good, a good Gerald. tale to spin. You know what I mean? And so everyone's yeah. like sitting in the circle, like, let's listen to him and hear what he has to say. Or you're listening to your favorite podcast, The Crunch. And Ethan starts <laughs> talking about some story and he's and everyone's like, oh, man, I'm so excited. And in the middle of the story, you pause and you tell a joke about the thing that just happened. Yeah, um, I, I think that that is a lot of the conversations that I have because I definitely have a lot of stories and it's not like I can't have a normal conversation, but most of the time people are like, well, you moved to New York city. Tell me about it. (laughs) And then it's like sitting around a campfire and me painting a picture of the bleak yet beautiful world that I lived in for 11 months. And it's like, that's the only time in normal life where you would say i'm being entertained by someone who's just talking you know it's not a play it's not even really a radio show oh i tried to does anybody who's listening to the podcast tweet at me if you have ever listened to prairie home companion because i tried to show patrick an episode and halfway through he just goes oh this is stand-up and i was like no it's storytelling like there is a difference between stand-up and storytelling mainly because storytelling captures your like imagination and there isn't a joke every few seconds but the art of like telling a story like john mulaney he tells a story and it's a whole thing but every couple steps there's a skip of a joke that will make the audience you know keep up and And like need that otherwise your stand-up show sucks otherwise you're doing a storytelling show yeah the first show i ever did i tried to tell this long story and it took five minutes and the the it was my it was for a talent show and my teacher critiqued me on it he was like yeah you need to tell jokes and i was yeah. like that sounds really simple 
but somehow I don't get it. And so that was, that was what I worked on. Yeah. Um, and yeah. It, it, it is a craft. It's like, um, standup is not improvisation. If you do stand up, you know, if you just make stuff up when you're up there, then you really have to have like a natural ability to make anything funny, like any word funny. Um, and it's a little bit like a song where you have to have the balance of like doing a funny voice or saying a word kind of funny. Like yeah. John Mulaney has this all the time. He's a really solid standup. Like some of the stuff he, he does is like a little inappropriate, but it's really not as bad as most of the stuff out there. And he he's a very good he like he's like a chemist. He just kind of or um maybe a, like a cocktail mixologist. <laughs> he just makes Get everything. Get your analogy down before you start talking, Teresa. Listen. <laughs> hey. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, but yeah, it's like you're crafting something that's going to like taste good the entire time, like yeah. just the right amount of pauses, just the right amount of, you know, breaks and tangents and little jokes here and there. And it's like, it's just beautiful. Like maybe not everybody analyzes stand up the way you and I do. <laughs> maybe this is only fun do. for us. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, um, sometimes people laugh at stuff and they don't know why or they don't laugh at stuff and they don't know why and it's like that should have been funny um and then sometimes people are super excited to tell a joke and it falls flat and they don't know why and it's like well maybe that's like a one-time thing and you're super embarrassed and you never want to try it again or maybe you want to do some research on like how to make a story flow and you can become a, a very easy conversator yeah yeah but i i love comedy that is um humble and like sneaky and just like takes me by surprise i want to root for the comedian i want to root for him sneaky? like there's a lot of what do you mean by sneaky well i'll, I'll give you an example okay okay, okay. you the came first prepared show, <laughs> the first show um that i went to where i saw stand up in new york city um well when i lived there not when i visited when i was in high school but um this comedian came out his name is josh gondelman and he came out and he kind of shuffled out um, and he was wearing a big oversized sweater and he was kind of slouching and he had glasses and he was just very, very like meek and a little bit dorky and a little bit like comfy and quiet. And immediately I was like, I don't know if this guy's going to be funny, but I really hope that he does well because he just seems like a nice guy you know like a pleasant person <laughs> yeah. and i wanted i think one of my big dreams is to do some sort of documentary on the sociology behind stand-up and why we laugh at some people and why we don't laugh at others and like is it all wording because then you could just read a book or or listen to a podcast you know like there has to be something about the physical appearance of a person and their stature and their body language that makes you want to laugh and right away i was like i really hope he does well and i'm excited to see what he has but i was more like hoping he did well than like 
this guy looks like a big old jerk. He's halfway drunk. He's wearing a t-shirt that says, like, I'm a fun guy with a mushroom on it or something, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> this guy's a piece of garbage. I don't want to listen to him. But, like, Josh Gondelman came out, and he was, like, meek, quiet, polite. And he just kind of looked at the audience, and, like, for a couple seconds, it was, like, no talking. He just kind of looked around. And I, was, I started to get a little ner- nervous for him. And then he came out with this set that was just amazing and sweet. And it was all about, like, his wife and, like, how he's about to get married and, like, his uh, uh, parents-in-law. What do you call them? In-laws? Um, yeah. His in-laws, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> he totally blew me out of the water. And my expectations were kind of lowered by his uh, unassuming appearance. So that's what I mean by sneaky. It's like comedy is all about taking down the defenses. And without saying a word my defenses were already down. I was already rooting for him. Like I wasn't like super defensive, ready to critique him. I wanted him to do well and he did amazing. And then I've seen him since then and I've seen him online and I follow his Twitter account. And like, he's very funny. He's sharp as a tack. He's witty, but like his style of comedy kind of sneaks up on you and you're, you're not expecting to like enjoy his jokes as much as you do. So my kind of comedy is very, storytelling 100 mm-hmm. percent um i think facial expressions are great another great comedian um oh my gosh i forgot her name but she she talks a lot about uh, her family uh, uh maria bamford and she talks about her family and um she does all these goofy voices and it's very like quirky and kind of out there and a little bit dark but like just just a little bit just enough to to make me believe that she is like a complex person and not like this ditz what was the name of the first guy josh gondelman i'm gonna i'm gonna write stuff down yes and then last one is people who are totally random like chris fleming i showed patrick some chris fleming videos he couldn't stop laughing. He's like constant laughter. There's no subtlety at all. It's just <laughs> it's bombarding you with, with like jokes. I can't do more than two hours of Chris Fleming though. Oh gosh, it's just too much. This, it's too the, much. The one this he has this one character that's like the reason why it's funny is because everybody who's been to a Panera <laughs> has seen a woman like this who's just like so <laughs> so un, un, unaware of what's happening yeah at at this business at this chain uninformed, restaurant uninformed insane. wants to see the manager like yeah <laughs> doesn't know what a bread bowl is yeah she like came into it's a guy but he plays a girl very often and it's amazing he like slams the car door and comes in he's like well i just got kicked out of a panera i ordered a bread bowl i thought it was a regular loaf and then it cuts to a picture of him like munching on the <laughs> loaf and he's like oh and it's just it's so beautiful it's like but it goes on for a long time and there's so many different elements to it um and he's talking about over the hedge and how if pixar or dreamworks ever got a hold of the idea of bread bowls then you know that every single animated film from here until kingdom come would be animals sitting in a jacuzzi bread bowl <laughs> like, it's like so it's like ridiculous random stuff so those are my three levels is like polite unassuming a little bit british you know what i mean like no, very very but, structured uh, yeah. <laughs> josh Gottman is not british but he, he he has the british aesthetic if he was having oh, a cup of tea during oh, the show i get what you're I saying like a british farce yeah like though like, like hot, hot fuzz, fuzz. <laughs> hot fuzz is, so is such a good movie but i did not show it to the right crowd it was <laughs> they, they were not in the mood they nope. were disgusted by a lot of blood 
a lot of blood and i was like i'm really sad we couldn't watch it together because i watched it on my own and then i watched it with my brothers and my sisters and, and all so of us better. loved it, it yeah was so good um, but yeah I, so those are my types of comedy my favorite my favorite comedian you you hit on john mulaney yeah you hit on john mulaney no, yeah like mulaney <laughs> mulaney's awesome um wink mike mike berbiglia yes yeah so the yes. reason why i like his comedy so much is because this is a really good example of truth in mm. comedy of like knowing truth and finding comedy in it because yeah. he does this he has this movie called uh, sleepwalk with me and it's like a movie mm. about how he sleepwalks and how he once fell out of a two-story window in a hotel oh and like yeah and it's <laughs> and he's really funny and he like he leads a sad life it's one of those where he's like he's mm. he seems very sad but he finds happiness through talking about his life with people. And he got into the, there's this one, this one, his Netflix special that I watched the, the last half of this Netflix special was not funny. It was very like dark and sobering. Mm -hmm. And it was about how he got into a car accident that totaled his car. And it was not his fault. Someone ran a stop sign and ran into him and, and then, like, he got short-shafted by his insurance, and it almost bankrupted him and, like, ruined him. And the only reason that it didn't was because he was famous and because he had, like, a fan base to fall back on. And so he was talking about that. He was actually in The Fault in Our Stars. I don't know if you know that. No. Yeah, he was. he's the he's the pastor in The Fault in Our Stars. Anyway, huh. so he um he's really good. And so if you, if you want to watch just, like, sad comedy, if you like <laughs> being sad, sometimes you want to be sad. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes otherwise, wanna... otherwise wanna... Adele would not be popular. What would not be popular? Adele. <laughs> Adele, yeah, true. <laughs> Somebody tell Adele that music can be happy too. Um, <laughs> she needs to listen to an Irish jig. Yeah, we 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 ended up talking a lot about stand up comedy, even though we said we weren't going to. What yeah. you you sent us? You sent me a list of like things that comedy needs. Comedy needs right on your little on your little little. Yo, Teresa, you got to stick to the. If you're gonna send me bullet Dang points, it. you got to stick to the bullet points. Which one? The first one or the second one? The second one. Okay. Comedy needs. Okay. So, um, a big thing that I think comedy has a, a huge kind of medicine for our world is humility in comedy. And I don't mean like just religious humility, like, Oh, I'm being, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to forget myself and, and, um, I'm going to make people laugh, but I'm not going to act like I'm super funny. No, you can definitely act like you're super funny. Um, my kind of humiliation in comedy is literally humiliation, like uh, making yourself the one who brings joy into any situation, even if everyone else is kind of rolling their eyes. As long as they're laughing, you're golden. Like um, I took a Latin class in high school and everyone in that class was like super grumpy one day. And I had on this huge like maxi skirt <laughs> that was a circle skirt and mm -hmm. I started like I lifted up the front a little bit and like started running around the room humming like I was in a in a, like a spaceship. I was like, vroom, 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 vroom. and it was the most ridiculous thing I could think of. And everybody started just going like, "What is wrong with her?" And my teacher knew me well enough to know that like I was doing it because I knew that everybody was like super grumpy. But it's like comedians and people who are funny and people who have an idea of like the lightheartedness that life should be can use our secret power to bring joy to people who are really grumpy. So I think comedy needs to be joyful, humble, effortless. 
or effortful, not effortless, sorry, um, earnest and honest. Uh, those are a lot of words, so I'll explain them. So <laughs> it needs to be joyful, as in it needs to be rooted in truth and it needs to bring about new life. So it needs to be joyful. It needs to be humble uh, in terms of it can't be too proud of itself. Like comedy can't solve every problem in the world, but it can bring a new light to things in darkness. And that's huge for our world. Um, it needs to be effortful. Uh, comedy cannot just be putting a trash bag over your head and being a spaceman. Like <laughs> I've seen comedy shows that are literally, literally, literally garbage. Like yeah, physical comedy is very funny in New York right now. And I saw the show where this guy put salsa all over his beard and then paid people $2 to come dip a chip in it. Oh gosh. That's, that's like obscure. I Wait, guess. Wait, he paid people or he, he charged? No, he paid people. Oh. Cause nobody wanted to do it. Of he was like, who wants wouldn't. to come in and dip, dip a chip in my beard. And then nobody did. He was like, I'll literally pay you $2. And then like five people went up and I was like, what, what the heck is happening right now? And I left. I was just kind of disgusted. <laughs> so um, comedy that like is thought through is is like measured out like a cocktail, like a beautiful mixed drink. <laughs> Teresa is not twenty one, by the way. I'm not twenty one. Makes... <laughs> but I make good cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been told. <laughs> so I've been told. Uh, but um, it needs to have some sort of effort put into it. Um, yeah. Because uh, effortless comedy is basically poking fun at itself which is a type of comedy but you're never going to like show people how much they're loved if all you do is uh put on uh a rubber bath mat over your head and um pretend to be some sort of flying carpet like that's not gonna fly uh-huh. in terms of real life-changing <laughs> comedy why do i feel like and this has happened like you've seen this i'm literally making this up but it sounds so real right it does sound so real i feel like i would laugh at that but so <laughs> but I you know what would. i mean though. yeah like, if you go to a professional show and it's something like that you're gonna be mad like why it's did just... i pay money for this yeah exactly and i i think you, i think what you said earlier about um grumpy being being grumpy and then having someone be able to come in and just completely change your your mood i think yeah. everyone has a person or two and you are that person for someone and like the oh. reason why stand-up comedians we love we love stand-up comedians so much is they can pull us out of a funk you know yeah like they we should can, they should and but you are that person for someone and so you need to be able to humiliate yourself and make people laugh make those people laugh yeah and i would say that i would say that uh Oh my gosh. So we were talking about truth and um oh yeah yeah the thesis of your joke needs to be true. Like you can't just make a joke yeah. about how bad you are at studying unless the joke you're making is man, I it's stupid not to study. That's yeah. true. It's stupid not to study if you are paying to be in school. Yes. It's really yes. stupid not to go to a class you need to go to, you know? It's like and so that that making fun of that is the step to comedy which is, is this step to making a good joke critiquing and the world it's why it's why court jesters could they can get away with critiquing yes. the king court yeah. jesters i freaking love court jesters my <laughs> my identity is largely based in court jesters because the king won't let anyone near him who has actual ideas and critiques for the kingdom 
He's going to let someone near him who will lift his mood and make him happy. And so comedians are court jesters and they're philosophers and they're um, examiners of society and they bring truth. And if you are a Catholic person who wants to make people laugh and maybe you feel like you have a little bit of a comedic bone in your body and you're not using that to like make the world more in line with the beautiful truth of God's love, then what the heck are you doing? (laughs) Why are you doing anything? You know, like court jesters. Yes. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just, no, it's good. I I, I think, I think one of the, the, one of the main takeaways and one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this this week was because we all have a responsibility to a be better producers of content ourselves, be better, be better at making our own jokes, right? Like everyone has access to MS paint and can make a meme. If all you're making are deep fried memes and posting them on Reddit, then you're not making jokes. You're just making content. You're just making yeah. clickable things. That's all yeah. you're doing. And then B, I guess, heightening the, raising the bar mm-hmm. for what we accept as good content, right? Like we, we need to raise yeah. that bar. We can't all watch, um, oh my gosh, who's our favorite comedian to, to rag on? Uh, Louis CK a little bit, but I don't know. What uh, you that's just sad. Or, like, Instagram comedians are the worst. Instagram comedians? Like who? <laughs> like, um, people who, they make little sketches that are based on uh, some sort of rape joke. Oh, you gosh. You know what I'm talking about? No, but that sounds like a thing. And it's a real thing. <laughs> it's definitely a real thing. Um, who's our favorite comedian to rag on? I don't know. Man, the randos we see in bars. The people who don't get famous. I mean, <laughs> we <laughs> could spend true. hours talking about people who you know are so sad because they didn't get to be a stand-up comedian but like at the end of the day um it's more productive to talk about the like things we can change about comedy and because neither of us right now are doing any stand-up comedy (laughs) yeah (laughs) although this weekend i will be in a comedy festival in new york city what wait i didn't know that yeah i'm super excited um uh you gotta plug that at the end of the show for any of our listeners who live in or around new york city don't don't go honestly because you're gonna have to buy a ticket to the entire thing and the entire thing is literally what we've been talking about oh okay okay, i wanted to make this point before the end so dcm del close marathon is marathon for del close who we talked about earlier trained a bunch of comedians um it's his like memorial weekend uh for his death and so i've been performing in it for the past four years maybe five now actually holy guacamole um and the last time i went uh, there was almost every single show had a joke about the Eucharist in it, which is so weird to me. That's so because weird. That's not funny. Like, even from a non-religious perspective, there's so many other things about the Catholic Church to make fun of. Like, nuns are pretty goofy. I don't understand <laughs> why we have to make fun of the Eucharist. But there's a, a joke about a thief coming through town, like stealing things from people. So this little girl was like, "Oh, he stole, he stole my jump rope," and then this guy comes on he's like hi i'm a priest and he stole my crackers now i have never connected the word eucharist with cracker so my first yeah. thought was holding a sleeve of saltines and then being taken from him and i was like that's pretty random that's hilarious people around me are dying laughing i'm halfway home on the subway that night and i realize they were talking about desecrating the eucharist yeah that's what, what i was talking about earlier with like that's not that's just not funny. It's not it's like not I am offended. It's oh, this is oh, this is my biggest pet peeve in stand up ever. And this is the most committed comedic sin. It's yes. Well, it's comedy. 
anything goes you know yeah. like uh the more offensive or the more random or the more edgy the funnier it is but not shock, true shock comedy is like it's like drugs it only works so much and then yeah. you up the dosage and it's just an infinite regression you can't hit it's not going to be funny every time it's not going to satisfy yeah. you it's yeah. literally like drugs you're right <laughs> yeah it's shot shot comedy and it, it's it's more like drugs for the comedian than it is for the audience. the audience because the goal of a comedy show is to get laughter not reactions you know yeah and so yeah. like comedians will get up there and be like i don't care who i offend hey muslims right and everyone's like oh gosh wow yeah. or like huh you ever talk about sexual assault on like please stop talking about sexual assault on stop the talking about sexual assault it's on the worst stage. and and people are like and people laugh just or they react because they just don't know what else to do you know it's just it's like oh i'm i'm really uncomfortable now um but everybody else is laughing and he said it in a way that like had the cadence of a joke, a joke. yeah no one of my, yeah, so, the uh yeah. the the uh the tv guy description for family guy is a no holds barred comedy yeah it's like yeah and i'm like i'm like please hold some bars we hold a few you know and people people explain archer to me and they're like it's great because they offend everybody and i'm like no oh, that's stupid because not people who are right people who have truth the truth should not be marred right like some yeah. someone who knows truth first of all really can't be offended because it's like if you walk up to me and say like you're an idiot for thinking the sky is red i'd be like okay <laughs> that you think i I didn't think this guy was yeah and it does it does take a certain amount of immaturity to be like how dare you this guy is blue i'm gonna be i'm just i'm gonna tweet about this all day so like if we have the truth we shouldn't need to be offended by comedy right but we also can have the right to say that's just not funny and desecration of the eucharist is not funny and so if you're in that if you're in that mindset of the eucharist is the body and blood of christ and someone says crackers you're like what are you talking about it's not it's not even a cracker it's First of all, even if you don't think it's Jesus, it's at, the, at least it's bread, dummy. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know. It's it's insane. And it's, I mean, at the end of time, uh, maybe we're not going to be, like, worried about jokes offending, you know, <laughs> our, I don't know, stuff that offends people nowadays, like millennials. Like, I don't get millennial, like, jokes about millennials. Yeah. And that might be because I'm a, I, I don't know if I'm technically a millennial, whatever. But at the end of time, if we don't stand up for stuff that's actually sacred, that is going to matter. It's not like yeah. in 10 years, you're going to forget about it. It's like, maybe I will have forgotten about it. But at the end of time, during my judgment, God's going to be like, how could you not know that they were talking about the Eucharist? It's crackers. And I'll be like, I didn't get it. I no, saw one I saw one boomer comedian making a joke about how millennials use debit cards for everything. And he was like, what? I'm stuck behind them in line and they're taking time putting out their debit cards. And I'm like, it takes for a, for a 177 purchase i'm like dude it takes oh more gosh. time to get change from a two dollar from two dollars than it does to swipe a credit card first of all but second oh of all gosh. only it, it was it was you know, you know dry bar comedy no i see it pop up in my facebook feed sometimes and i think it's because they listen to the crunch um it's <laughs> boomers fix your generation <laughs> come on dry bar, dry bar comedy is like all clean co- comedians Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and so it's it's pretty cool, and like a lot of the times I'll watch them, and they're pretty funny. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but this guy just this guy just wasn't. And that's the other thing is like clean comedy, it's usually pretty funny. Brian Regan, hilarious. Sometimes even clean comedy isn't funny. Yeah, 
Yeah, because uh, the only measure you should have for comedy shouldn't just be that it doesn't have any cussing or sex jokes in it. That's, like, everything we consume should be nourishment, including comedy. And, you know, I think we've all had a mindless YouTube binge, but, like, that's the kind of stuff that is going to, like, mar your vision, blur your vision, you know, to be able to see things that are actually hurting your soul versus helping your soul, even in comedy. So yeah, the other thing is comedy that's earnest, that wants to make you laugh, that wants to serve you, that isn't like disrespecting you as a viewer or anyone else. Like comedy that takes care of you. I don't know. I I feel like I'm describing a significant other right now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, because but you like, shouldn't you shouldn't try to make someone laugh unless you love them. Exactly. This is exactly. this is this is an unironic opinion from Patrick Nevy, TM. TM. You should only you should only try to make someone laugh if you love them. Yes. And so you if should you love someone, you're not going to hurt them. Yeah. Yes. And honest. You're not perpetrating lies. You're not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, comedy that makes a joke out of something that's not true um, may be funny on the f- front taste, but in the back, like, I'm trying to do like a wine thing. In the afterbirth <laughs> of the joke. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> um you should notice things that don't line up with the truth and you should cut them out of your comedy diet. So yeah, those are my comedy things. And I love, I love comedy and I love making people laugh. And there's a lot of people in New York who, when I went back after I came to Franciscan for a couple months, they were like, why did you go to that super conservative college? And I was like, um, it was the right thing to do. just really like it. I am Catholic. I, I thought you knew that. And literally after I had that conversation, three out of the people in this like five person conversation unfollowed unfriended and like just kind of cut off from me in on social media and like wouldn't talk to me at the comedy club oh my gosh I remember the day I walked away from an open mic before even it started because I realized that my community was just not there and like if you start cutting back on your comedy diet, you're going to have people who don't get it, people who think you're being too picky, yeah. um, people who uh, want you to watch a movie and you just don't like it. Like Hot Fuzz, not for everybody. Not true. for everybody. It's true. Not for everybody. But Bridesmaids, not for anybody. Not for anybody. Phoebe and, I, Phoebe and I tried watching it and like literally in the first, the first scene is just a woman who's in a loveless relationship and I'm like, I don't find that funny. No, but it's a joke because the viewers have been there, and then yeah. the next, the next, um, the next scene is her talking to her friend about oral sex. Right back, yeah. It's just, and I'm like, again, I don't find this funny, and we we had to turn it off and watch The Incredibles instead. Definitely great a good movie. Decision. Definitely great a good movie. decision. That also Veggie Tales holds up, yo. Oh I've been yeah. Watching some if, if you if Dang. even even in the secular like even in secular jokes, everybody gets it. Everybody gets Veggie Tales. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if you're if you're gonna cut back and start watching what you eat in terms of comedy, um, make sure to eat you your might veggies. Lose a lot of uh, your groups of people that you used to consume media with, especially if you're in any sort of form of entertainment. And I get it; like, not everybody is meant to, you know, drop off the face of the comedy earth and go to a secluded college in Ohio. Like, I get that. But um, I don't know how many comedians listen to your podcast, but like probably zero. We got a freaking vocation over here to bring joy and truth to the world. It's not for the faint of heart. 
you can do it you know saints are funny people just saying oh absolutely hands down one time saint francis when he was he was uh asked to come speak at a uh, at a convent he really didn't want to he was like you ha- I, I assigned you a priest let him preach and they're like no no no, we want you we want you we want you and so he oh, made dear. the week-long journey and he got there and everyone's crowded around waiting for what father francis is going to say he sits down in the dirt pours dirt on his head and starts screaming jesus son of david have pity on me and then he leaves oh my gosh which is hilarious it's hilarious he's like you really want to see who i am boom that's who i am and i'm like that's awesome so yeah saints are really funny yeah um and mother angelica even though she's not a saint has a great quote about um how we need to laugh more because um the only serious thing in the world is sin everything else is a joyful joke and this is my unironic opinion about the world everything should be a source of joy unless it's sin that's it that's my unironic opinion i'm done Everything is funny, but sin. Everything's funny, but sin. Repentance brings about joy. That's super true. true. But yeah, so that's my, that's the comedy nerd podcast. This is a good episode. I like this episode because I love talking about this. I think, I hope, I hope that this was a unique podcast experience for y'all because this isn't something that we always think about. For y'all? You've been in Texas too long. Listen, I've been in the South my whole life, except for these last three accursed years in the North, where the only tea that exists is unsweet, and the biscuits and gravy taste like garbage. You're drinking sweet tea now? I've always drank sweet tea. (laughs) Do you put ice in your your water now that it's super hot where you live? (laughs) Actually, yes. I do put ice (laughs) in my water now. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Tell Phoebe I said hi. I love her. Hey, stop sending messages through my (laughs) podcast. No. <laughs> this is way too this is way too up close and personal. I like to keep a healthy distance. I only tell Ethan that I love him. And this is this is this is the end of the show. You only tell Ethan that you love him. And he's like, <laughs> why won't you say it? And you're like, why won't you say that you love him? Hey, this you got it. But fun. but don't worry, the podcast isn't over yet because I still have stuff to say. So Oh um, shoot! <laughs> if you haven't, uh, if you haven't filled out the Patreon survey, I'm. I think. Oh man, it's this podcast can be posted a week from now. I think I'm going to leave it up for another week. But uh, I'm. I'm planning on revamping, I'm relaunching the Patreon like long before, um, the next podcast from now will be up. So watch for that. I got some really good stuff in the works. Um, follow us on Twitter at the Crunchcast. Follow us on Facebook, fa- Facebook.com/slash/TheCrunch. I am at catholic pat ethan is at bro apostle on twitter Teresa, what's your stuff do you want people to follow you or no uh sure uh it's at Teresa underscore carol um my follow count went way up since i was on the crunch which leads to a lot of pressure about what i'm gonna tweet so i mainly tweet about <laughs> strawberries and getting <laughs> i'm keeping the standards real low um follow at the windy crawdad um uh, no do not do not fun. do not promo that that do it <laughs> Any crunch of the weeks? Because I vote one up. Oh, oh gosh. No, no, no. There's no crunch of the week when we have a, uh, a guest. No, there's no crunch of the week. Um, but you could be the crunch of the week if you... Hey. Not you, not you, them. Um, <laughs> you could be the crunch of the week if you uh, follow us on Patreon. So one of the really exciting innovations that I innovated this week is our monthly mailbag. And I'm saying this now because monthly mailbag is probably going to be next week. Monthly mailbag Yay. is now sponsored by our Patreon supporters. So... It is now going to be a Patreon-sponsored 
podcast in which our patrons get the spotlight. And so if you want to be spotlit on the monthly mailbag, you should consider investing early in Patreon because we're going to go first come, first serve. So that's a little sneak peek, little that's tasty taste, prize. little preview. Yeah, it's a pretty great prize. The mm. The um one of the top one of the top levels of our new secret oh my gosh I can't believe I'm talking about this I was gonna keep it secret one of the top levels of our new secret Patreon reward tier is you get in the Crunch Bowl where we me and Ethan call you um once uh so like every day once every day we we call you during the monthly mailbag and we ask you five rapid fire questions you get in the Crunch Bowl we might do like three per monthly mailbag and so like so yeah and that's that's gonna be really fun. Can I add a question to the Crunch Bowl? Um, yeah, sure. Okay. You don't have to do it. Just think about it. Would you rather have oh, a million gosh, dollars <laughs> or a million times you felt like you were going to throw up and you didn't throw up before you answer? Consider the last time you threw up before you threw up. Would you give a million dollars to not throw up? That's the real question. No, I wouldn't. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> A hundred dollars or not, or feeling like you're going to throw up, but not throwing up a million dollars, a million dollars. I would rather have a million dollars than have to feel like, okay, this is, this is the weird question. It's ambiguous. Am I never going to feel like I have to throw up again? No, you feel like you're going to throw up, but you just don't. Okay. But like, if I choose the million dollars, do I never throw up again? Yeah. Or feel like it? No, you, if you choose the million dollars, you might throw up normal times in your life. Oh, but if I choose the second option, I'll never throw up again. But I'll never to throw feel... up again. But okay. you still have the feeling. I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather have the million dollars. All right, we're still gonna fight about this then. Okay. I I would take the million times of feeling like I'm gonna throw up and not throwing up. It's an easy question for me. What this can is I say? ironic. This is my this is my least favorite part about this bit that you're doing. Is you would actually choose the million dollars, but you're trying to give. I don't know where you came up with this. And I'm upset, and I'm ending the podcast. Couldn't sleep one night, you know. Could... <laughs> okay, um, give okay. give Teresa some love on the Twitters. Follow her up. That's it's Teresa Carroll with a K. Teresa underscore yeah. Carroll with a K. It, like like Pope John Paul II. Yeah, and, um, my buddy. Yeah. So, thank you for listening. As always, uh, I have been your host, Patrick Nevy, for the last time without my boy Ethan Stevie. Hopefully, uh, pray for him. He's in the last. Ethan? He's in. He's in the last little bit of his focus training. Um, I don't want to end this podcast because this is this is this is sweet this is a sweet little uh little time that we had together crunch bunch little combi time yeah and and me me alone with the crunch bunch for five weeks in a row that was pretty awesome that too that was a crazy crazy five weeks yeah it was a lot of fun stuff pretty good five weeks so anyway thank you for listening please pray for us we'll be praying for you and we will see you on the twitters. that outro <laughs> i want to change that it. in i want to change it so bad i'm gonna put this i'm gonna put this right we at the end it. i'm gonna put this right at the end of the music just for the <laughs> i little... hate that outro <laughs> you hate that <laughs> hey if you listened to the end of the music um good for you good for you, you really like first try by ethan stevie yeah it's it's a you it's a blast <laughs> This is fun. It's like a little bonus track. Nobody knows that it's here. We're like Nobody here by ourselves it. talking. If you listen to this, um, let's pick something to 
get them to tweet at us. If you if you listen to this, tweet hashtag first try at the podcast yeah. <laughs> and don't tell anyone why you did that. Don't right. tell anyone. And we're we're going to know. And you'll know. And anyone else you can pay to listen to the very end will know. And that's it. All right. This is the actual end of the podcast.